1: Each episode
0: we answer one
1: personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey Scott, how's it going?
0: I'm well today. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Good. Doing great. Happy belated Father's Day. Thank it's you. A day late or three days late by the time this episode airs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Happy to be a father. Happy to be a father. And, and to celebrate, we get to talk about interest rates today, which I Woo! I know is riding right your wheelhouse. Totally. So fun. So we have fun. a listener question. Do you want to read it? Do you want me to read it?
0: Um, you read it.
1: I'll it's read It's Father's it. Day, so I get to choose. Whatever. You get to sit back and relax. Mm-hmm. Uh, here is the question. Hi, Scott and James, avid listener of your podcast. Thank you for all the good info and subjects you share. I wanted to pass along a suggestion and it's essentially this. It's one of the central dilemmas at this time with current interest rates is why would someone take the investment risk of even modestly rising interest rates in the future and say, and he gives an example, the Vanguard short-term bond fund which is currently offering a 0.60% yield versus an online savings account such as Capital One or Ally Bank offering about double that at 1.25%. If someone is looking for a place to invest their cash for the next 2 to 3 years and facing that choice, why would they choose a short-term bond fund over the savings bank rate, the high-yield savings bank rate? It's mm. a good question.
0: Yeah, it is.
1: And I think the, the predicament that a lot of investors in are in is when you're looking at investing, and we'll talk about whether this is a savings question or investing question, but when you're investing in something, you're investing in it because you want that thing to grow, whether mm-hmm. it's a stock, whether it's a bond, whether it's a savings account. And with interest rates so low, it's hard to see how can we expect much from bonds in terms of how much they're going to grow. Yeah. So how do you want to start this as we approach this question? What's the first thing we should start to think
0: about? Uh, So first things first is, I think we should go, I think you should always start with he's getting to, he's getting to a technical question, a tactical question, but I think you should always start bigger picture with the overlying strategy and even more so understanding the purpose of what you're trying to do before you go look at the strategies or the tactics that you should employ. Um, so while we will get to the answer, I think first you have to go bigger picture and that simply ask the question, why are you investing to begin with?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Mm-hmm. Because like, for instance, if you're investing or if you're thinking of investing and you have cash on hand and you need this money uh, within the next 18 months or so, I think the answer is really simple. Um, it's don't invest it mm-hmm. anywhere. Mm-hmm. Keep it in the safest form that you can hold it in, um, which would be like an online savings account. Um, and you know, with an online savings account, what you're doing is, you're getting to keep a little portion of the spread between the bank taking in money and they turn around and they lend it out to someone else. Right. And what, what they're doing is, is instead of having a, you know, a bunch of employees and a bunch of, of, uh, re, you know, space in downtown areas and buildings and all that infrastructure, they're saying, you know, instead we're just going to give some of this back to our, our customers you can keep part of the spread we'll, we'll still make money but you keep part of the spread so that's the safest place to put your money and by putting it there you don't expose yourself to any market risk any investment risk which is what the kind of the question's about in a mm-hmm. sense um, but but also by doing that um, you do limit that that rate and we will get to that but I think that's where I would start is there anything you would add to that that idea to begin with
1: No, I think, I think that should be the first question you ask with any type of investing you do is what's the purpose of this? Am I, am I setting money aside so I can, oh, I don't know, buy buy a car in a couple of years or am I setting money aside so it can grow for me over the next five, 10 plus years because your time horizon and what you're looking to do with the money is is going to dictate how it should be invested or how it not should not be invested uh, depending on how you look at it.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um. So so the only thing I want to add about online savings accounts right now. Um online savings accounts uh and there's even some uh custodians like Betterment for instance an online custodian who they're all touting, "Hey, come here. We have this high yield savings account for you. You can make you can make more more money by keeping it with us." Um and I I personally, I don't know about you, um James, but I personally keep, you know, for our family, we keep money at an online savings account mm-hmm. um, so that we get that spread on like an emergency type fund. Um, and I just got an email last week from my my online bank. And, and guess what they were telling me?
1: Scott, your rates are going
0: up. <laughs> yeah, I wish. Not our sure. rates are going down. Um, Dang. Yeah. And, and they're going down because that spread that the banks get to um, make money off of, part of it's dictated by what they can lend to each other and the federal reserve at and the federal reserve cut rates with the pandemic from, I believe it was about two and a half percent. I'd have to go back and double check exactly. So don't hold me to it. Cause I didn't look before the call, but they basically slashed rates to zero really quickly right. um, to help make sure that there was lending going on within the space, which is great, but that makes it so it's harder to get that spread uh, for the online savings. So we're probably going to watch those keep ratcheting down um rather than like going back up in the near term mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah and, and so to, to this listener with this question there's in many cases not a reason to go own a short-term bond fund over some of these high yield savings account if you're looking to your point at a short-term savings goal that you might have depending upon how you're trying to structure that so as you're asking um Why would I take on more risk in a bond fund instead of a high yield savings account? Don't in many cases, you're you're hitting the nail on the head. Don't don't do that. That's that's not the case. And as you're saying, Scott, depending on the goal, if it's a short term thing, I as well, my Ashley and I, we also do that same thing with our money. Uh, Let's set up separate high yield savings accounts for things that we're trying to purchase maybe in the next year or two where it wouldn't make sense to invest in anything, whether stocks or bonds, um, or at least you couldn't count on anything consistently coming out of that. So with that in mind, when, when would it make sense to start thinking about, okay, when do I make that change to owning actual bond funds versus high yield savings? How, what might be something we want to think about with that?
0: Yeah. So I'm I personally, and I, I want to hear your perspective on this as well. But once we move beyond that, then we're looking at investing. And when we're looking at investing, typically for most people, we're not looking at going a hundred percent into the stock market. We're typically investing some in the stock market and some in the bond market. And the number one reason we have bonds uh, more so than, than anything else is, is in, in a, at, the, at the core, it's psychological. Mm-hmm. It's to keep me in my seat, to keep me invested during all periods of time. So when the COVID crisis just hit and the stock market plummeted, a portion of my money was sitting in in a fairly safe place. Um, And that did two things for me. One, it made it so that my account value didn't go down precipitously um, to a point that I got so scared that I got out of the markets. That's the worst thing that we can do is choose to sell when things are going against us. It's like the Nordstrom's half annual sales happening and we're choosing to run away from the store rather than run into it. Because the second component is that those bond funds that I had are relatively stable compared to the stock market. And so if I have a tolerance, we've talked about rebalancing and investing before, but if I have it, an allocation of 80% stocks and 20% bonds and the stock market just fell by half, well, now my, my, my allocation's out of whack. What I'll do there is I'll sell my bonds in that moment, which are relatively stable, and I'll buy stocks right? So that acts as a ballast one for like the, to allow me to have a smoother ride along the way. And then number two, I can utilize funds in that ballast tank to basically go replenish the equity funds when I need to. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the main reason to own bond funds in the first place is psychological. And to that point, the thing that I would add is if let's imagine for a minute that you, um, you go, you know, you know, those, those bond funds, the bonds right now are, are at low rates. And, and, and if I, if I want to go, uh, you know, one of the things in is in the question is, well, if interest rates rise, that means my bond values are going to go down. And there is some truth to that, that will happen for some of the holdings that are in there. If, if they're not held to maturity, um, it's just the way that bonds work. I don't want to detract too much Oh, Siri, Siri joined me. I don't know if you heard that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you guys, so if, if you buy a, just go real simple bond bond, um, like bond one Oh one for a second, uh, James. So mm-hmm. imagine that we borrowed, um, like you and Ashlyn need, uh, money for a second. And for some reason you come to me for money and, and I, and I, you guys are the highest credit. You're like the U.S. U.S. government. And you need money for five years. We're just going to go look at what's the rate for five years. And I'll give you the $10,000 or whatever you need. And then you have to give me that cash flow stream back every day, every six months. You have to give me that interest rate. And at the end of the, the period, you have to give me my $10,000 back. With mm-hmm. me so far?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Okay. Now imagine that uh, the rate that we locked in was, was uh, 5%. percent hmm so I own I own something that's worth ten thousand dollars. You gave me ten thousand dollars. I loaned you ten thousand dollars. You're going to give me ten thousand dollars back in five years, and I get a five percent cash flow stream for the next five years, right? Mm-hmm. Well, tomorrow uh, it turns out that I can actually take m- the same amount of money, that ten thousand dollars, and someone else is willing at the same credit can can give me a will give me six percent. So now I can go out into the open market and I can give loan 10,000 bucks and I'll get a 6% cash flow stream instead. What just happened in that instance to my own loan that I have with you, if I want to go sell it in the market before you owe me that 5 grand that $10,000 back in 5 years is the value of that loan is now less. Yes. Because because I can take the same 10 grand and I can go get a 6% interest rate stream, right? But I have a 5% interest rate stream with you. So now we're going to have to discount that. So it's going to be worth less. If I hold it all the way through until we get to where you give me the last payment, I still get my 10 grand back.
1: So you're saying it's just, it's before maturity if you sell that fund that, yeah, you're you're facing price fluctuation. You might sell it higher if interest rates drop, or you might sell it lower if interest rates rise. But if you hold it to maturity, you're going to get your principal back, assuming whatever Bond you have, whatever company you lent to, whatever government you lent to, is still solvent.
0: Correct, and and the 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 time span that exists. If if I did if I did that same loan with the two of you for thirty years, and that one percent change occurred, the the my value would have dropped a ton. A lot, Mm -hmm. a lot more than if it was a a one year loan, because in one year I get my money back, I can go do it again. So a lot of the, the, like the nuance of the question he's asking about has to do with what we call duration or the term that we're loaning money out. Uh, And then also the credit quality will have something to do with it. But relatively speaking, to get big, to go back to the bigger picture, I wouldn't worry about that as much. Um, I would worry more so about what's the allocation I need to have between stocks and bonds, and then we can look at what we want to own. And the reason that I'm giving that little mini tutorial is because it, i I In my personal view, I do believe it would be better to keep holding funds inside your portfolio because of the psychology that happens and you need to be able to rebalance. And if you have your cash sitting safely at your online savings account in that moment when markets dip and you then have to go, remember to go take your funds from your online savings account and move it into your investment account and then take the funds. And while markets are going down, take those funds and go do that act. You're allowing, you're creating barriers that make it harder for you to be a disciplined investor.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so of moving the friction of that by holding some bonds in your portfolio is going to go a long way in that. So I agree. And, and so just in terms of talking about, well, what are the reasons to own bonds? We talked about if you're, if you're saving for a short-term purchase and that purchase is maybe in a year or two, that's a great reason just to say, don't own bonds, don't own stocks, uh, really strongly consider just going and putting your money in a high yield savings account. That, that's great. But if you are going to invest, the reasons for owning bonds over investing that in a high-yield savings account, and Scott, you touched on all this, is number one, it's just the what you call the non-correlation of bonds and stocks. Bonds and stocks don't go up and down together. So we just saw this recently. as The stock market dropped when coronavirus fears and, and government lockdowns went into place. Well, stocks dropped really, really quickly. Bonds, on the other hand, uh, s- some bonds did tremendously well through that. And so even though those bonds had a relatively low interest rate, because interest rates dropped further to your point that you just made those prices of those bonds increased way more than they ever would have if they were in a high yield savings account where they wouldn't Mm increase at all in fact you're going to get notices that uh, rates are dropping over time so bonds you can't just look at what interest rate are you receiving they also provide that different type of investment that non-correlated investment that tends to go up when stocks fall so it provides that that balance that you're ultimately looking for in a portfolio and then to your other point. That just becomes dry powder for you to rebalance into or rebalance with. It, when stocks are falling and your bonds have gone up in value, we were with clients, we were saying, let's take some of these bond funds and buy some of these stock funds. Let's mm-hmm. sell some of these things that have gone up when coronavirus ha- and, the, and the stock market declined happened to buy some of these investments that have gone down. You're not going to have that same ability if it's in a high yield savings account. So it, it is very psychological in many ways. And it also does provide some, um, there are some actual tactical reasons to own bonds over high-yield savings account, but you want to make sure you're understanding which which situation does it make sense to do high-yield savings versus which situation does it make more sense to simply own bond funds as part of your portfolio. Yep,
0: yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um,
1: and then you, yeah. you talked about this as well, but just going back to the listener question of using the example of the Vanguard short-term bond fund, and this is not an endorsement for that fund or anything, just using the example that was provided. That fund it's it's a it's a relatively short term fund, meaning the average mm-hmm. bond inside that fund matures within three years, and it's mostly owning high quality US government debt. So that's about as conservative as you can get. And so yes, you're gonna have a very low yield on that. The yeah, longer can we, the maturity, can we talk
0: about can we talk oh yeah, go ahead for the maturity. Go ahead there.
1: Are you getting at the yield curve? Is that what you're talking about here?
0: I want to yeah, yield curve and credit quality. Yeah. So
1: so the longer if you have a bond, if I'm going to loan you money, Scott, and I'm going to loan you uh, money for one year versus I'm going to loan you money, say for 20 years, right. well, I'm going to expect a higher interest rate if I'm giving you my money for 20 years, because I don't know what's going to happen. And, and right. inflation and, could go up. Other things could go happen. I'm, I'm parting with my exactly. money for longer. Yes. And I'm Agreed. simply going to expect a higher, higher return. Yeah. So, and, and I, I, I'll let you take it from here because I know you got some good points you want to add to that.
0: No, I think you, you're nailing it. Like it's the longer you go, the more likely, especially inflation, is to be an unknown, and with, with that's the one of the main drivers we want to protect against. So, mm-hmm. the further out you go, the more you want to have a more return baked in to that investment. There's other things that drive a yield curve. A yield curve basically just means. Um, you like you, anyone can look up the US, the United States Treasury yield curve if you Google it, and it'll show you a, a curve. And, and the curve literally just starts with time is along the, the bottom, and the interest rates are on the, on the y axis. And basically, the further out you go, typically we see the more interest you get to earn because time is further along. Fa- fairly simple. Um, and then you want to look at like credit quality as well. And so, credit quality—the simplest way to think about credit quality would be like everyone has a credit score, right? Um, on on your own for personal for personal lending. And so, if, mm-hmm. if you have a a really high credit score, the highest credit score, like an eight fifty, right? You're kind of like the U.S. government. Then you have like the, you get the lowest rates possible. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to think about the bond curve, the bond curve, the U.S. government has triple A rating, the best rating you can have. After that, you go look to other, other corporations, other governments, um, you miss municipalities that you might want to lend to and their ratings will be different. And that will dictate the spread, the additional points, right? The additional interest rate that I'm going to charge, um, for relative to lending to you. So like James and Ashlyn came and and they have an amazing credit for the five years. I'm going to give them a 5% rate of return. If, uh you know, maybe my, my neighbor down the street who I don't, I don't know. And maybe, maybe I just watch his car get repoed. I'm, um, he's going to have to pay me a way higher rate for me to, for me to lend him that money to make it worth my while. Cause it's all about the risk that I'm taking with my money to lend it to him so that he can live his life the way he wants to live it. Right. So same thing happens in the bond market. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so that, that comes into play because if you're comparing high yield savings with short-term bond funds, high yield savings today are going to be much higher for the most part than than the yield on a short-term bond fund. The the counter to that though is you may be investing in bonds, but not in short-term bonds. What if it's a medium-term or long-term bond? What if it's a corporate bond? What if it's a high yield or junk bond? All those are going to have different yields just because of, of the different types of risks that you're taking for each of those. Mm-hmm. So that's just another thing to consider when comparing high yield savings accounts to a bond fund investing.
0: Yep. Absolutely, and gets back to the concept of build your own building your own portfolio with the knowledge that you have. Um, being well diversified, you can honestly be well diversified in fixed income as well. You can invest mm-hmm. globally in fixed income, um, mm-hmm. and then you can look across term and credit um, as well as the all of the various markets that you can be in in fixed income to build a bond portfolio that works for you. Doesn't have to be um, short-term govies, which would be the uh, Really, the safest place to go, um, but also has the lowest rate of return.
1: Right, right. Agreed. Well, anything else you want to add to this?
0: Nope. I, th- I think that's a good overview. Um, yeah. If you guys have any questions, please let us know. Um, we are happy to answer them.
1: Yes. Thank you for this question. I think that that uh, is a good overview of it. And we will talk more about another question next time. Thanks, See Scott. Next time. Bye. See you then. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you want us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website. There'll be a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for Scott and I to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.